the edge of the familiar, where your comfort zone ends and the unknown stretches before you. That's where greatness awaits. Are you ready to take that leap? This is the Risk Big Podcast with your host, Travis Fitzwater. Thanks for listening to the Risk Big Podcast, Stories of Starts with Travis Fitzwater. Find episodes online with show notes at www.riskbigpodcast.com slash episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter by following at Risk Big Podcast. Uh, glad to have Billy Hurley on Billy Hurley the Third with me today for my podcast. We really kind of thrilled. Took a flyer and sent a note to uh, his his assistant, and uh, they were very gracious to at the beginning of his new year and the the new season to jump on. He's a PGA Tour professional golfer. I met him a couple times, really kind of impressed with with his demeanor, the way he handles himself, not to mention the service he's provided to our country as a as a veteran in the United States military, the only veteran that play that is currently playing in the PGA Tour that I'm aware of and uh, served in the Navy for five years after going to the Naval Academy, was a was a renowned golfer in college and high school and uh, fulfilled his his duty to the country by serving in the military for five years after graduating from the Naval Academy in Annapolis, and then grinded his way onto the, under the tour and kind of want to dive into that here in a moment. But Billy, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Travis, good to be with you. So tell us the, tell us a little bit the story about, you know, I know that you dreamed early on about being a golfer. So this is kind of, and you, you and your dad played golf often, often when you're younger and through throughout your life. But tell me a little bit about the story about how, how you became the golfer, uh, how you got through military and then, uh, you know, jumped on some of these mini tours and grinded out a PGA tour card. Well, you know, as an 18 year old, you know, high school golfer, I, I think every, every kid dreams of playing on the PGA tour. I mean, that's, that's what golf is when you're, when you're an 18 year old high school golfer and playing some junior tournaments and and, and competing well at those. And we really have no idea what that means, you know, and there's very few people, who are, who are good enough at 18 years old to even really have that be a, a realistic thought, right? I mean, there's, there's a couple of guys, Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler come to mind as guys who made that transition at a really young age. But so for most of us, it, it, it's no more than a dream. And, and it certainly was for me, you know, I was not a, I, I was a good high school golfer. You know, I finished third in the state, Virginia my my senior year but I wasn't a a national level recruit I didn't have you know schools like Oklahoma State or Florida or Georgia or the kind of the golf powerhouse schools didn't have any of them knocking on my door um and and that probably had something a little bit to do with the fact that I was pretty much declared going to the Naval Academy ever since my sophomore or junior year of high school so even if there was anybody interested they kind of recognize they were wasting their time because I was dead set on going to the Naval Academy. So, um, you know, that, that's not really the golf powerhouse of the world, but it, uh, is a different, much different route, um, kind of to the PGA tour. And there's, you know, there's really no guarantees for, for anything ever, especially in golf and and how year to year it, it kind of is. There's no guaranteed contracts. There's no, um, you know, multi-year deals, so to speak, as there are in other sports. So it's, so it's always kind of a, a a year to year 
kind of gig and um you know but going to the naval academy you know that was just me i fell in love with the naval academy i fell in love with everything about it and then i really actually credit that decision with a, a lot of who i became as a golfer because i going to that school i i played right away i was in the starting lineup from day one my freshman year and not a lot of freshmen do that at the Naval Academy, and I was pretty fortunate to kind of have my game come back after the plebe summer boot camp thing. Lots of huh. lots of times it takes guys a year to have that have your game come back after the intense kind of boot camp plebe summer thing. And I can only imagine And so that. I felt fortunate that the game... Yeah, no, I mean, you know, guys' bodies change, you know. <laughs> sure. you're, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not a big guy, but I probably lost eight pounds that summer, you know, and um, with, with not necessarily eight pounds to lose at that point in my life. Yeah, no um, and, and so, you know, it just kind of, it definitely, uh, it definitely can change a lot of things. And then you throw in the stress of plebe year at the Naval Academy. And for, for, for me, golf was my escape. Um, lots of my teammates had, had trouble, um, putting aside, you know, the, the calculus test they had tomorrow or the chemistry quiz that was coming up or whatever, when they came to golf practice, for whatever reason, for me, um, it, it was my escape. So I, I didn't have a problem putting that aside. I rather relished the opportunity to put it aside and, and play golf. And, and so, you know, having that extra experience of, of playing from the get go, I, I think I, you know, could have gone to a, you know, a Virginia, University of Virginia, or Virginia Tech, or somewhere kind of in the Virginia area, University of Maryland, and I, and I could have been on the team, and then I could have probably played my junior year. Sure. Um, you know, maybe maybe some in my sophomore year or whatever. Um, but but going to the Naval Academy, I got you know two years more of competitive golf experience, which I think actually definitely helped me mature as a, as a player coming sure. out of college as well. And then you went to, and then you, you know, you, you did really well, obviously at the Naval Academy golfing. And then you had five years of service that you, you obviously honorably served. You became a Lieutenant, you know, this became your, your job for five years, you know, within the back Absolutely. of your minds, like having a dream to be on the PGA tour. So how did that, how did, when you did your, when you did your five years and then you left, what did that? Because that's a that's a huge risk, right? Like you left, you don't have a tour card. You're not you're not coming out of the out of the navy, having played a ton because you're working all over the world, right? How, right. What does that look like when you leave the leave the navy and have served dutifully, but you haven't had the time? I mean, you're not on a golf course all over the world. You're you're working your right. Off. No, I mean actually, the the last uh, the last five months I was in the navy, I was deployed, so I played one time in the last five months that I was in the navy, essentially. And then got out of the Navy and went to professional golf full time. And yeah, it was not yeah. really the jump that you're, <laughs> you know, the transition. Yeah, no kidding. It's like it's, that's that's was, the thing that's, was, uh, it's so unique. It, it's so unique how you made that jump from doing what you're doing to all of a sudden you're going on these mini tours. And I hope you talk about that a little bit, but the, the grind that has to be from 2009 to 2011, 12, when you finally get your tour card. Yeah, you know, it was it was really interesting. Um you know, when 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 you approached me about this podcast and and kind of the idea of like risky starts and 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 that kind of thing and, and I guess I never viewed it as a risk. Um looking back at it, it totally was. It totally is. Yeah, um sure. but 
but but I think that in the middle of it, like I never viewed it as a risk. I think I viewed it more of a like this is something I owe to myself. Like this is something I'm going to try. I'm going to throw myself 110 percent at, and we're going to see where it goes. And now there were no guarantees, like you said. There, so so it was risky in in that sense. Um, sure. At the same time, I didn't just roll out of bed one day and say, "Hey, I'm going to do this." Right? Uh, yeah. I had been preparing to do, to do this for five years. You know, and pretty much when when I graduated from the Naval Academy, I knew that the end game was five years and then try the golf thing because I knew that I wanted to give myself that shot, you know? And, and I think that there, um, there's a couple of things that stick out as I, as I think about that. And oftentimes in the military, we talk about transition and transitioning out of the military and, and, and that kind of thing and how to do that better and, and whatnot. And, and for me, like I said, it wasn't one day I rolled out of bed. There was a progression. There was, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, a timeline that I was able to work through. And, and while I wasn't working on golf during those five years of active duty, there were spurts where I got to play a lot and there were spurts where I played little to none, but I kind of knew, you know, this date on the calendar, five sure. years from now, now three years from now, 18 months from now, you know, two months from now, like golf is coming. I'm going to do that. So we, my wife and I did intentional things to prepare for that specifically, sure. obviously financially being the biggest hurdle. But, um, so, so we, you know, we looked at that and, and it wasn't a, you know, wake up one day and quit your job kind of yeah. thing. Right. I mean, there, there was a progression to it. Um, even though there, you know, then there were things we did along the way, even though they weren't specific to, to getting the ball in the hole faster. Right. Sure. I and mean, that's kind of what we joke about. Sure. Go off as well, you know, hit it less times, right? Yeah, brilliant idea. So it's really, it's so, yeah, so it's fascinating that you say that because you know, I just named this thing, it seemed like a logical thing, and I got a web address for it, and it was like outside looking in. It looks like folks are taking significant risks to do what they love, and it makes a lot of sense. But everybody I've interviewed, and you're the eighth or ninth that I've interviewed thus far, it doesn't, it's not risk necessarily. I mean, it's out, outside the world, it looks very risky. But to the folks that have started what they're passionate about, it's basically at the heart of it. They're just saying it's not risky for me to do what I love because I know that if I work hard enough at it, I ha I'll have opportunities for myself. And I, I, I love that you kind of delineated that because I know that my podcast name is a specific thing, but everybody I've talked to, it's obviously risky what they're doing, but they know in their heart of hearts that they're doing what they love and they you know, the, the result of that may not be monetary success necessarily. Um, but it, it does come in purposeful living and, and some real opportunities in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that it is, you know, if it, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right outside looking in and even, even like I said, when you first contacted me about it i kind of had to take a step back well it's not risky well no i mean i guess it really was like outside looking in yeah it really it really was a big risk but i guess i i never looked at it that way you know i got a really uh really good piece of advice before i left the navy and um i was i was kind of i had done everything in the last kind of year that i was in the navy to 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 be competitive as if i were staying in the navy um, and I had kind of, you know, gotten some advanced qualifications that I really didn't need because I'm getting out of the Navy and whatever, but I kind of was setting it up so that I would at least have a, a, a way back in the Navy, 
if it was, you know, two or three years down the road and sure. golf didn't work out, you know, and, and I, I was having some conversations with, uh, you know, the senior leadership on the, on the ship, specifically the executive officer, who's the number two guy. And I was kind of asking him, you know, how would this look like, you know, how would this specific piece affect me if I were trying to get back in and yada, yada, yada. And, and he was kind of like, Billy, you know, um, that won't affect you at all. If you want to get back in, like we, we will get you back in. Like that's not a problem. Sure. Uh, like, oh, okay, great. You know, and, and then, uh, and then, you know, maybe three days later after I had this conversation with the EXO, I poked my head into the commanding officer's office, um, for, for something that I needed him to sign or whatever. And, and we did our business and they said, Hey Billy, I want to talk to you about something. I heard you were talking to the EXO about getting back in the Navy. And I said, well, well yes, sir. You know, I just want to, you know, make sure that door's still open and, you know, I can do, you know, if that's something that I can do. And, and he kind of cut me off in the mid mid sentence. And he, he said, Billy, I don't want to ever hear you talk like that again. And it, and it took me by surprise for a second. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, in, in my head. And, 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 and he said, look, I'd, I'd love to have you in the Navy. You're a fantastic officer. And, and we'd love to have people like you in the Navy, but where you're going and what you're going to do and who you're going to compete against, there is no plan B. You can't have a plan B you have to be 100% diving headfirst into this and without a fallback plan. Um, and so that was, um, kind of shook me for a second, but I, but I realized that's really good advice. And it was, it was really, um, for, for my CEO, you know, who played golf twice a year, kind of, kind of guy. Um, it was, it really, it really stuck with me and, and that, um, his, his foresight for, for me as a young man was, was really, uh, was, as I as I took that leap into professional golf, sure, and that it's kind of this this analogy of, and no pun intended, but burning the ships when you get somewhere and your survival is, <laughs> right, is, right. is based on your ability to make it work on your end without a backup, a fallback that you can kind of rest on your laurels a little bit. It kind of forces you. That's right. that's a fascinating. That's a great thought. So when you go when you start this journey in two thousand nine, you're going into mini tours. Can you talk about? just really quickly how you got through the mini tours, yeah. what that looks like in real, in reality and then getting your, and then getting your, uh, tour card a couple years after that. Yeah. So, I mean, 2009, I, um, you know, I got out of the Navy and, and, and just threw myself headfirst into golf, um, playing, practicing every day. And then, you know, August kind of rolls around and it's time to sign up for Q school and, it was one of those deals where it's like, ah, Q school, I'm not really going to be ready for Q school. I don't feel like, you know, it starts in September and I've been out of the Navy for two months. And, sure. and, yeah. uh, and so I've, uh, I gotta, um, but, but I felt like, well, I gotta, I gotta go, like I gotta do it, you know? And, and so then I signed up for some tournaments cause I realized, well, I gotta play a tournament before Q school comes and, you know, I can't have that be the first competitive tournament back. So, you know, started with some mini tours there and, and it, and it was hard. I, um, I, uh, I missed three mini tour cuts by one shot each there in the summer of 2009. And, and I, you know, just was, it was tough, you know, I mean, it took a, it took a, a lot to kind of get back into, into golf full time. And, and so then I went to Q school and I, I got the second stage of Q school, but I didn't get past second stage and you kind of have to get into the third stage to, to have some status on the PGA tour or the web.com tour. Um, so, you know, then, then it was just many tours again for 2010 and, 
and I mean, mini tours is, is, is a grind and all golf is a grind. And there's, you know, the, the thing about golf is that the numbers for professional golfers don't work. <laughs> like, um, you know, there's 435 guys who put on an NBA uniform. There's 630 guys who put on a major league baseball uniform. There's 1600 guys who put on an NFL uniform. And there's 144 golfers who are going to play next week at the Sony Open. Yeah, and and yeah. so you know, it, 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 you know, the mini tours and and the and the uh, and and the Web.com tour. I mean, these are places where like really good golfers are. There's just there's just not enough space on the PGA Tour. I mean, if yeah. we had many spots at the NFL, you know, mini tours would would all be playing at the highest level. Um, all the guys doing that. So it's really a the numbers game is tough. So mini tours are, are where a lot of people, you know, most people start and mini tours are nothing more than professional gambling at yeah, the end of the sure. day. Every, everybody brings a thousand dollars and the winner leaves with more of it than, than, than <laughs> the guy who finishes 30th. I mean, it, I mean, it really, I mean, it really is, you know, I mean, it, yeah. there's, there's, there's organizations that host them and, and put them on and, you know, and there's, there's very little sponsorship money in, involved. And, and, and so it's just professional gambling. And so that, that is a, that's a unique, unique way to do it. Right. I mean, here's, sure. here's a thousand dollars. Now I'm going to play golf and hopefully make more than a thousand dollars this week. Sure. Right. So, you know, on top of expenses and travel and, and all that kind of stuff, even, even notwithstanding that. So, um, but again, it's just kind of, that's where you go. And that's where you, you know, it's, you get, you kind of, you start at the bottom, you know, and really anything that you're going to start up, you're going to start at the bottom and kind of work your way out of the basement. So that, that's kind of where, how, how it works in golf. And then, you know, I did that in 2010 and, and kind of March, 2010, I won a mini tour event and that's where I first kind of got some traction. And I, it, it was, you know, January and February were pretty low for me because I've been out of the Navy six months. I kind of thought it would be about a six month process to get being a full golfer. And I was still missing cuts, still missing cuts. And, and, and then I, and then I won. Um, I don't even know, I'm assuming I had made a cut before then on some tournament and finished 40th or something, but I don't, I don't remember. And, um, but I remember, you know, March of 2010, I, I won, you know, my first, golf tournament back, um, from, from, from the Navy. And, um, like I said, that's when I got some traction and, and kind of was able to, to, to continue to, to get better and push through. And, um, that certainly relieved a, a, a bit of a financial burden for, at the time, um, you know, with that win and, 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 and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, it, but, but it, it was still, you know, I mean, then, I got through Q school in 2010, uh, but I didn't make it to the PGA tour. I made it to really the bottom of the barrel of the, of what's now the web.com tour. I didn't even get good status on the web.com tour out of that Q school in 2010. So 2011, I started at the bottom of the barrel of the, of the web.com tour and, and was fortunate enough to, to kind of play well enough early when I got the chance to, to, snowball that into a full season and snowball that into, into then ultimately getting a PGA tour card for my rookie year in 2012. Yeah. And it was actually kind of, you know, we have some mutual friends and it was kind of fun to follow the progress because as you were, as you were, I can only imagine how stressed you were, but to kind of watch from, 
their perspective as they were they were kind of sending notes hey think about billy this weekend or watch or whatever as he's he's trying to trying to get this tour card which is really obviously to be a golfer get a tour card it's a huge deal uh it was really it was really kind of fun to follow that that portion of your life let me ask you this is a follow-up so you're on the tour and you have this whole this whole line of of experience with building up a resume in your golf career do you have do you have like a a favorite failure of yours that really kind of stands out or or a failure that sets you up for later success that you could look at and say yeah i'm glad i failed there because it it built this in me hmm um so i think it it um I remember a specific point kind of back in that uh, January 2010 time frame when I had been out of the Navy for for six months, like I said, and I, and I remember I I missed a cut by a shot, and, and I really missed a cut by like one person because it ended up being tied for 71st versus tied for 70th would have made the cut, and, and I hadn't made a cut, you know, and I hadn't really gotten any traction on it, and um, I was pretty frustrated. And I was pretty down and, and kind of that, that way. And, um, I remember like literally I was driving up 95, I was, the tournament that I just missed a cut in was outside Jacksonville, Florida. And I was driving home up 95 and, uh, I was talking to my dad and just telling him how frustrated I was and it doesn't feel like it's coming back and it doesn't feel like it's, um, it doesn't feel like it's it's going to come back or, you, you know, whatever golf as, as a whole. And, and, and he kind of, he just said to me, you know, Hey, you've been doing this for six months. Most, most guys never took time off. Like the guys you're playing against have never taken time off of golf. So, you know, kind of cut yourself some slack. I think you're actually making decent progress and, and put it all in perspective and, and let's just keep going forward. And that was really a pivotal conversation where I was able to, you know, give myself some, I don't know, grace or slack or, or just, just, just to allow myself the, the ability to, to not be perfect yet and, and, and push forward. Yeah. And that kind of dovetails, dovetails into this thought, like how do you deal with adversity while you're playing? Because golf is 72 holes. It's just mental, right? The whole time. It's, it's, I can't even imagine the mentality you have, it sure is, yeah. you have to deal with. How do you deal with adversity when you're on the golf course and you're like, I can't make a shot. I mean, I do every time I play, this is like my mentality, like for 18 holes, um, you know, it's <laughs> shanking, shanking left and right. <laughs> Am I ever going to get done with this round? So how do you, how do you deal with adversity in the golf course for you? Well, I think it, it really comes back to, knowing myself and having a good view of not, not only a healthy view of myself, but a, but a realistic view of myself and knowing my strengths and weaknesses. Cause there are times when you certainly get out there and, and it, it feels like I'm shanking it all over the place. You know, I mean, that's a, obviously a relative term based sure, on the skills sure. of golf, but, but that's what it feels like to me, you know? And, um, and so the, the thing that I have to be, careful of is to to know myself know what I'm good at and to stick to that and and specifically in in the mental side of things like I have you know through through mental coaching and 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 counseling and therapy and all that stuff learned a lot and 
you know, one of the things I've learned is that I am a thinker. I do my best. I'm a, you know, by, by Myers-Briggs, really, you know, by, by personality type, I am a thinker. And so when I get into the stressful situations on the golf course, I, I tend to become a feeler and I feel like this and I feel like that and I feel like I can't make a shot at all. And that's when I kind of, that gets destructive because I'm not any good at being a feeler. I'm, I'm good at being a thinker. And so I have to like make sure to remind myself to, to be a thinker and to still think well and, and not throw away shots where I don't have to. You know, you're going to make mistakes over the course of a 72 hole golf tournament, but you know, I can't tell you the number of times where you, where you, you know, you get behind the eight ball a little bit early in the round, you make a dumb mistake and, and throw away another shot. And then you birdie three of the last four to shoot even par. And you go and you look back and go, man, if I just wasn't a bonehead on nine, 10 and 11, because I was frustrated, then I would have shot two under par and I'd be right in the middle of this tournament. Instead, I'm even par and I'm kind of clawing my way to, you know, get back in the tournament. So, so just for me, it's that knowing myself, knowing what I'm good at, um, from both a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint to, to kind of stay in there when, when, when things aren't going as well as I want them to. Yeah. And that's excellent, excellent advice across the board. I think you could probably apply that pretty well anywhere. And it, it pr- brings me to this quote that you had uh, actually after the Quicken Loans National, your first tournament you won on the PGA Tour at Quicken Loans National at Congressional, uh, there around where you live, your home course, kind of a, kind of a neat story in and of itself. But you were being interviewed and you kind of, kind of, uh, made a, a somewhat of a joke the journalist asked you a question and you, your response was the game of golf does nothing but beat you up and make you want to stop going. It kind of, kind of tongue in cheek, you know, because you'd had at that point, you were kind of struggling through a number of things, personal issues with the, you know, the tragedy with your dad. And then also kind of feeling like you were at the end of your rope on having enough strength to move on in golf. It's a, it was, it was kind of a uh, tongue in cheek joke. But at the same time, kind of as a thought, as people are taking these risks and I'm trying to encourage people to do what they're passionate about, it's easy to get to this point where you're where you're thinking that truly that I may be passionate about this, but I'm ready to quit because I'm hitting all of these these walls. I'm hitting I'm hitting some real frustrations. How do you how do you get yeah, it, past it, that for yourself? Well, in golf it's it's really hard, you know, because you I can only imagine. I've played, you know, I've played somewhere around i'm guessing 150 tournaments on the pga tour and i've won one yeah you know so <laughs> so it's not a great percentage if you if, if you do if you do the percentage math there it's not good but but that's maybe one of the more frustrating things about golf is that i mean even even tiger woods didn't win 50 percent of the time you know i mean he, I, don't, I don't know what it is probably 20 or something like that which is in golf amazing insane. yeah insane. to win 20 percent of the time Right. And, 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 and so, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, golf does beat you up and, and I'm, I'm sure that that's not, um, singularly true to, to just golf and that there's many industries where, you know, you, you experience more failures than you experience successes. But, you know, I think that there's, there's, there's little things in golf that you have to, you, you have to remember to take the successes when, when they are, you know, you have to remember to, you know, that, that a top 10 is good, you know, and that maybe even just 
this week making the cut was good, you know, because I, I wasn't feeling well and, and, and I didn't have my best stuff, but I made the cut and finished 45th. And that was a good week based on what I had when I got here on Tuesday or whatever. Um, and so I mean, I think that there's, it's all kind of, there, there's a bit of a relative scale, you know, other weeks you might finish fourth and feel like you screwed up because you really had it all going and you made, you know, and something didn't go your way on the last night on Sunday or, or whatever. And, and, and so I think that having that relative scale of success and, and I remember early in my career, my father-in-law talking to me about redefining success. Because if you define success as just wins and losses, you know, then it's kind of not going to go your way. So redefining what, what is success and, 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 you know, and so lots of times in golf, we talk about, you know, if I did everything right mentally and everything, you know, I thought clearly and, and put it all out there, um, then that was successful even if the physical shot wasn't what I wanted it to be, you know, that that's kind of oftentimes one of the things that we go to and talk more about being successfully mentally and controlling the things that we can control. Um, that, that can kind of help as, as well as you go through. And I, I think that's, that's a, that's a really good, good mantra for anybody starting anything is control what you can control. Yeah. You know, you can control, you know, making the best sales pitch you can, you can't necessarily control the buyer saying yes or no, you know, but, but you can maybe walk away from even a deal you didn't close saying, I feel good about that. Cause I did everything that I could. And I, I, you know, did that to the best of my ability where, um, and that's, that's similar to golf. You know, I prepared what I, what I wanted to do and, and, and today I couldn't execute the shot properly physically, but I really did think through it properly. And so I controlled what I can control. Sure. And the, the, so those are some terrific thoughts. Uh, I just think that the control, what you can control is such a huge deal because it's so, it's so easy to get bogged down with what others are saying or what others are doing and having to, having to feel like you have to control other things that you just can't is a, is a huge thought. And Billy, I know your time is precious. So let me ask you one more question. And this, this will, um, uh, really want to get your thoughts on this, but you had kind of this Quicken loans national tournament that you won was, was kind of a, a huge story in the PGA tour at the time, because this is your home course. You tragically lost your father, um, you know, around that time. And you're dealing with, you're dealing with some emotions because your dad, I'm pretty sure was, did security even at, at congressional at, at some times in his life before you played in that tournament. Um, how do you, how did you deal with the, with, with all of that emotional stuff as you're, you're seeing the success on this home course that you feel comfortable in? Obviously it helped a lot that you felt comfortable at the course. Um, how, how do you deal with that adversity while you were going through it at the time to really kind of come out on top and really kind of give yourself a breath of fresh air in your career? Yeah, I, I in in one sense I don't know. Um sure. yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- th- there there was a bit of that week that 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 was a, a blur, but I but I do remember making a couple of conscious decisions and it kind of goes back to so so there's two things. I made a couple of con 
conscious decisions, and then I experienced a, a peace like I've never felt before. And I'll explain both of those for, for a quick second here. I made a couple of conscious decisions throughout the week to do what was best for me, not to do what people might like to see, not to do what, um, oh, this would make a good story if I did this or whatever, you know, and, and just, just silly things like carrying a certain head cover or, or, or a certain thing on my bag or whatever on, on Sunday. I made this conscious decision. I was like, you know, that would be cool, but you know what? I don't, that wouldn't be best for me. What's best for me is to stick with what I always do and do it the same way. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to add that thing to my bag that people might think was cool. And it was specifically around my dad. And, and I was just like, you know what, that's, that's not going to be best for me. And so I made that conscious decision to do what was best for me. And I think that, that, that kind of helped And that. In, in, in one sense, that sounds selfish, right? But in another sense, it actually, the, the, the more that I've, grown and, and whatever, you know, doing things that are best for me enhance my ability to do things for other people. Sure. And, and so those are, those are, those are real, those could be, those are little things that, that might be, you know, working out before my kids get up, you know, that, that actually I know is best for me. And sometimes it stinks to get out of bed at five forty-five <laughs> to go work out before they get up. Yeah. But, but that makes my day go better. So I'm kind of being selfish in one sense, but then that means I got to go to bed earlier the night before. And that, you know, so there's, there's a whole, you know, back that out and, 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 and you have to say no to other things when I'm doing what's necessarily what, what I think is best for me. And so then that makes me, that makes me maybe the best version of myself, which makes me then more useful in the world. Right. Sure. <clears throat> and, and so, so that was definitely one thing that was specific, um, that, that week and that, and that Sunday afternoon really, um, you know, before going out to the course to, to play the last round. And then, you know, Travis, the, the, the other thing about that week, and, and I can't really explain it other than to say that it was a gift from God that I had this peace that I nearly have never experienced before. And, um, it just, it just was this, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly when you hit the golf ball exactly where you're looking for a week, it certainly <laughs> makes the round less stressful. Um, yeah. But, but it all, but there was just this piece of, uh, that, that really, you know, uh, you know, cliche, you know, this piece that passed understanding, you know, and, and, and I just, I, I can't explain it other than to say that it was a piece from God. Yeah. It, that, and it's certainly watching the having watched the tournament, remembering it, um, especially on Sunday when I tuned in because I knew you were in the lead, and uh, it's just been fun to watch your career over the last couple of years. It was really neat to see because you explained this a little bit in interviews afterwards, but you mentioned that some of this is feels so transcendent. I wasn't really paying attention to what was happening in the moment, you know. So like you make this chip in on fifteen, you know, you're you're in the lead a little bit, but that gives you really a buffer going into the last three right. holes, right? And, and you even explained this afterwards where you don't even know how to respond. So you kind of do this like jumping fist pump thing. And, uh, it's, it's because you're in this moment where, uh, you know, your things are coming together like never before. It's really, it was really fascinating to watch and really, really kind of neat. And then the story behind it at the end, uh, the, you know, the emotion and all that, that came with it at your home course to win a tournament and handing a, being handed a trophy by Tiger Woods and, 
um, all you've done for the military. I mean, it just feels like this is an incredible story, incredible story. And um, really, it, it was that. it was really it was really storybook. I mean, in 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 a lot of ways, and I mean, so it was just all kind of came together perfectly that that Sunday afternoon. We're looking forward to trying to do it again, though. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you do it again. I I uh, I have loved following your career, and I appreciate the time you've given me today to to talk to you about your story of your start and um, how you how you're doing what you love. And I'm, I'm sorry, I know I said one more question, but tell me really quick, if you had advice for somebody who wanted to start to do what they love, like what would you tell them just out the gate, just really quick, because I know you only have a minute or two here. You know, I think I would say that you, you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. Um, and, but that doesn't mean that, that, that we recklessly go about it, right? So, so you owe it to yourself to 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 kind of take the step of faith to kind of chase your dream um but that but that also you also owe it to yourself to have a plan you know and there's a difference between you know jumping off a bridge and you know jumping off a bridge and knowing that there's a net there or jumping off a bridge knowing that there's a plan that you actually know how to swim when you dive into the pool right so um i think that 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 would be would be my advice. You owe it to yourself to to give it a shot, but but you owe it to yourself to also have a plan and not not kind of recklessly sure. jump into something. Well, that's excellent, Billy. Thank you so much for the time. I really really appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Hopefully. All right. Thanks, Travis. Thanks. Fun being with you. It's been great.